welcome to another edition of surprisingly enough still the streaking lolan podcast once again my name is pearson to listeners who are a little confused i'm laughing about um us last week saying um that things were going to be different this week's episode they're not different as you clearly now have noticed uh no worries there we're going through some things so you'll see the differences in the name of this podcast and such once we get it all greenlit but until then we're still the streaking lawn podcast and we're still joined by zach and ben not that that's changing at all once other things change so zach ben hello zach how are you doing on this rainy pre-spring break evening i'm good i finished up classes yesterday so i am free um, I'm looking forward to an awesome day of UVA sports tomorrow. The weather is gross outside now. Hopefully it won't be tomorrow, um, All right. but I'm feeling good. Excellent. And Ben, how about you? Uh, doing equally well. Oh. Uh, like the Virginia basketball team, things were dark. Things were dire a few weeks ago. I had <laughs> midterms, I had papers, <laughs> but now we are out of the darkness. I have defeated the proverbial Clemson by seven points and turned in all my assignments. I'm on spring break. I'm ready to talk basketball to watch, hopefully, Virginia win a share of an ACC title. All right. That is exactly what we're here to talk about. Although I appreciate hearing from the youths about, you know, the worries and concerns of undergraduate academics. Uh, I'm glad you're making it through. Um, Speaking of making it through, Virginia made it through a, a tough slate of disappointing performances, as we discussed uh, almost in their entirely entirety last week um but we we didn't get to talk about the carolina game one that um certainly there's plenty to address but they bounced back after that with a home win over the clemson tigers um you know for carolina it was like you said off air zach almost a continuation of some of the frustrations from the boston college game but enough spark here and there that the conversation was a little different i think very much different now that they've won a game after that you know can you talk a little bit to start things off about what you saw in chapel hill that maybe has turned the conversation back to a more positive one easy to do so now that they've won but you know even before this clemson game i think unc was sort of like wow they went eight for 25 on layups and they went eight for 24 on layups against Boston college. They were four for 12 from three, yeah. 39% from the field, 45% from the line and maybe not an optimistic view, but like it can't get worse than this. Like, <laughs> And they only lost by eight on the road against a team that I think if you told me a month ago before this team started struggling that they lost by eight to Carolina on the road, I would have said, fine, like mm-hmm. that, that fits, like that makes sense. That's what I would kind of expect. Maybe you would think it'd be a closer game. And I think that the actual way this game played out was probably not as close as eight points, but UVA was better in the second half. I think their defensive uh, performance was better. The effort was there. And this is all sort of in the context, as we've said, of that Clemson win. If if they lose to Clemson by 10, then I don't care about all this. But it seemed like at least defensively, they figured some things out. UNC just got hot, like RJ Davis, you know, scoring 16, Pete Nance scoring 22 and going seven for 10, four for four from three. Like, mm, I think you rude. can chalk that. Yeah, I think you can just chalk that up to like, they UNC played well. The guys that oftentimes struggle for them struggle. It was annoying that, Armando Baycott only shot six times and 
Carolina still handled UVA, but I think you look back on that game and it just sort of, it's going to be lost in the vacuum um, in the grand scheme of things. And enough other ACC teams have lost uh, embarrassing games, sort of similar to UVA to Boston College, that losing to North Carolina on the road isn't going to really end up mattering, thankfully. Um, and, you know, UVA changed things up against Clemson in the ways that they needed to and um, seem to be on a better track than they were a week ago. Sounds about right. So, Ben, you know, where were you following that Chapel Hill loss and how did that tie into, you know, seeing a bit of a bounce back um, in the home game? Yeah, Zach mentioned a lot of the stats, the layup shooting percentages, the free throw shooting percentages, just everything seemed broken for Virginia. And especially in the second half against UNC, I thought they started to fix some of the process issues. I felt like they were getting better shots. They were playing better defense. And they won that half 37 to 29, Mm -hmm. made a little comeback push at the end, which obviously came up short. I mean, Carolina just hit enough shots in that game that Virginia was not going to win with the Mm -hmm. way both teams were shooting the ball. But I thought they looked a lot better in the second half. And again, Zach also hit on this. If they lost to Clemson, we wouldn't be like, oh, uh, things were looking up. But they beat Clemson. And they beat Clemson by seven. They probably should have beat Clemson by more. And so I think some (laughs) of the optimism coming out of that UNC game of like, oh, things started to look right at the end kind of panned out. Uh, although in an interesting way, because like they didn't play the same way against Clemson that they have been for these past few games. I mm-hmm. guess they might just have to keep switching offenses every five games to <laughs> keep looking good because so Between much the of two what offenses. they did against. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Cause I, they got figured out with that little motion offense teams were, they were like glued to guys coming off screens the way that they were glued to guys in mover blocker early in the season when they switched it up initially, but then mover blocker started going again. And like, you get a lot of the stat lines that we saw from Virginia earlier in the year when they're running that standard Tony Bennett offense, you get Reese Beekman with seven points, cool eight assists to one turnover sort of stuff. You expect the guards combined for 14 assists between uh, Kihei and Reese, like just getting the ball to Gardner in his little mid-range spots. And the Clemson game looked like the most Virginia we've seen from Virginia in like a month, which yeah. is encouraging because you want the team to be playing their style of basketball. Uh, you can question whether that style of basketball is going to be successful in the tournament, which we did earlier in the season. Uh, and then they switched it up. But like things were very clearly stuck. And so I don't have any issue with them going back to what was working at the beginning of the year and just sort of looking like the better team against Clemson. Yeah, I was thinking walking out of there and and definitely validated by the box score. It's like if Armand goes three for six from three instead of two for six and Kihei goes two for five from three instead of over oh five. Definitely. And the Clemson win <laughs> just sort of looks like the classic Virginia is the best team in the ACC home win. Instead, the shooting still wasn't quite there. There were some one-on-one issues, um, uh, you know, in the free throws <laughs> as well. Um, and a couple misses at the rim still too. So, you know, it's it, it's like, okay, we're not we're not fully confident. We're not, we haven't shaken off all the, the ghosts of this slump, but it definitely seemed like a bit of a turn corner against a team that is sort of all over the place. But I don't know. Clemson played exactly like that I expected them to. Yeah, I think. I think UVA, like the shooting struggles, and, and maybe this is just sort of 
hindsight bias or, or whatever you want to call it. But um, I think the struggles against Clemson were more sort of figuring out how to play in sides again than they mm. were team is just ice cold. Um, Kihei being 0 for 7, like he was fine in this game. He probably pump faked too many times. Um, and honestly, looking back, it's surprising that he took five threes after rewatching that game because I felt like he could have taken like three or four more. Yeah, definitely. Um, Gardner being five for 13 and three for 10 from the mid range is notable. Like, I think you could reasonably expect him to be five for 10 mm-hmm. and then there's four points. Um, and then, yeah, I mean, your point on Armand is good. Like I think Armand was definitely still good getting back into the flow um, of mover blocker. And I think that the first half to second half um, offensive efficiency splits in the first half, they were 0.966 points per possession. In the second, it was 1.286. That's what it speaks to. So like, you know, basically 0.3 points per possession better in the second half. That's what it points to them committing to move a blocker because they came out against Clemson and there's an inside triangle offense that they've been running for a um, month and a half, two months, and then full ipped it um, after the first five minutes when they weren't scoring and sort of things got to working better. And in, in the second half, they will <laughs> went full force. Um, and it worked. And so, it worked. It worked so exactly. well. Re- I mean, so amusingly, <clears throat> I, everybody who was at the JPJ probably, or at least commuted to the JPJ uh remembers that traffic was abysmal in Saturday because horrible. of the, the, the incident on 29. And so, uh, you know, did my normal route and, and first game in years and years and years that I missed tip off and get to our seats, 16 minutes left in the half. So like, gosh, missed the whole four first four minutes. And Virginia has no points. <laughs> Immediately sit down <laughs> for a Ryan Dunn dunk right at alley-oop it's I a think layup. Was, or it was a layup, 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 layup. but like an alley oh okay arguably yeah, 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 more yeah. impressive yeah yeah frankly yeah. that so he took the contact yeah that's the first thing we saw and then they didn't miss a shot <laughs> yeah so we're like oh i don't know what they were doing for the first four minutes of this game but apparently they're the best team in the country again yeah until uh, it, it was the offense it was the offense switch yep. like that. that's what it was and i think yeah i mean i asked um Tony, he gave me sort of a little bit of a nothing burger answer, just like, yeah, yeah. Well, we, the stuff we were doing before. How dare he? This thing, Tony and, Bennett on the podcast. No, 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 no. Like, he's again. not. He, he shouldn't be like, Tony this is what I saw in our. <laughs> oh, he shouldn't be like, goodness. this is what was wrong. This is how teams <laughs> were playing us. And this is why this is working now. He, he shouldn't say that because you got to make the other, mm-hmm. his opponent's scouting departments work a little bit, not just watch the press mm-hmm. conferences. Um, but we got a little bit more out of Isaac McNeely. And he was sort of saying like, yeah, like we ran sides more in this game. And, and this is obvious, like this doesn't, it doesn't take a you know mastermind to figure this out. Um, and sort of they tweaked it and they wanted to run sides more. Bennett mentioned BVP being banged up, which is true. He's had a back injury for maybe yeah. about a month now. Um, I hadn't really seen it acknowledged by Tony. I, I don't, maybe I missed some press conferences when they were on the road, but like BVP has been wearing a lower back brace on the bench right. for the last month or so. And so that makes some sense. Um, and sort of like that combined with just him seemingly not playing well, like how much is it, is that the injury? How much is it not in the month of February um, BVP shot 20.7% from three and 26% from the free throw line. Obviously that free throw line number is bad, Whoa. but being 20% from three in the, in that middle triangle offense, motion offense, you know, three man, whatever you want to call it, mm-hmm. that that's just, and, and we talked about this, like teams being able to play off of him, pack the middle and, and stop the guards from getting paint touches, getting inside and then working from there. 
that completely hindered this offense and it was time to make that switch back to sides and and sort of we said like earlier in the season Tony Bennett doesn't change things a lot like he's pretty set in his ways for better usually better or for worse in, well, good in certain save, circumstances good but in this scenario Ben said last week like I don't know how many more buttons they have left 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 to press uh-huh. um this was the button that they had left and thank goodness it worked <laughs> um but it also comes down to, like the execution and the execution worked because they have the guards like Isaac McNeely ran this for four years in high school Kihei Clark has been playing this offense for five years um Isaac even mentioned like after sort of like a couple of sequences of plays Kihei pulled him aside in the second half and said like when you come off the flare screen in mover blocker and I catch the ball coming off a pin down look for that sort of back cut because it's you're going to be open like I promise and then on the very next play McNeely looked for the back cut Kihei fed him and that's where Isaac got that sort of like reverse and one the play um, of the game exactly uh but I sort of think like that's why you want to go back to this and, and, and it worked well and it should be what they sort of rely on and, and they have counters like enough ball screen sort of counters out of that offense that it's not as rigid as it was seven years ago and some of that is you know after UMBC and all that jazz um going continuity ball screen and incorporating that and I don't need to get into the weeds but um there's yeah. enough that they can do in this offense and the guards are good enough and Yes, it can be stagnant, but relative to sort of the inside triangle offense that they were running, this is going to be less stagnant than that. And they have the guys to do it, especially when you have Jane Gardner being able to keep defenses and big guys honest by hitting his sort of mid-range jumper. That's why it's going to be important for him to be not three for 10, but six for 10 or three for five um, in in games moving forward. And and that's why you sort of hope that with more time playing in this, because they hadn't played mover blocker in significant volume in, in two months really right and that's why it's going to be important for them to be able to do it against louisville and get some time and against a bad opponent in the quarters of the acc so that they can get a little bit more um accustomed to playing that and accustomed to taking the shots that are generated in mover blocker but altogether like better for the offense and and and, and we have to be feeling better and the shots should start falling all right well the getting back into uh, uh their previous offense uh, and strategy was not the only shakeup uh, for the Who's against Clemson. We saw some personnel decisions that were unexpected, uh, to, to say the least. Um, I think the minutes that Caffero got were not surprising, although they're, they're rare, but it made a lot of sense when looking at what Clemson was doing and the, and the personnel Clemson has. Um, Tane Murray got a lot of run, which was fun to see, um, which you know, the offensive production had, had worked out for him there would have been nice to like celebrate a little, a little more had he hit some shots, but instead, you know, at least, I I don't know. I'm a fan of seeing guys <laughs> who don't get a lot of minutes, uh, get some meaningful minutes. And so I don't know what, what are your thoughts on, on, on that to begin with, but I guess the underlying question of course, is that Caden did not, which is a continuing uh, question for us here week in and week out i mean yeah I, you know ben you go ahead okay um i think it was definitely cool to see tane in uh, as you mentioned it was a little unfortunate to see him struggle offensively he made a nice move going into the basket got that little eight foot floater yeah. uh, unfortunately bricked it and then uh, with what should have been an assist to Ryan Dunn, um, <laughs> but actually a very, very nice drive by Ryan Dunn. Tony. 
Um, and Dunn with a cool like little skip pass to the corner, which we haven't really seen much from him. Uh, and got Tana wide open three, which he promptly airballed to Ryan Dunn for an easy bucket, uh, which <laughs> again, Tane Murray, court vision, uh, assist. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, the, the if I'm going to miss really it, is, I'm going to miss it long uh, to Ryan. Yeah, yeah, it's <laughs> exactly. Yeah. More guys need to miss with Dunn around the basket. One th- one Ryan Dunn thing that I think we have, we've talked about him so much on this podcast, but mm-hmm. I think has gone a little under the radar is his re- rebounding numbers are ridiculous. He mm-hmm. is just like a vacuum on both ends. I think he's like Virginia's best defensive rebounder by a significant margin and probably their best offensive rebounder. Uh, excluding Tristan Howe, who I think is number one because he's played 10 minutes. But um, the big question is, of course, at the five with Kafaro and Shedrick. And I thought when I was watching Kafaro play, I th- or Kafaro, uh, apologies, <laughs> uh, I thought I thought he was effective when I was watching him on the court. Uh, mm-hmm. The box score is not quite as friendly to our mm-hmm. front poppy uh he did have two very nice free throws which is something the team has not had mm-hmm. all year but um yeah the four fouls two of which were offensive fouls just giving away possessions uh, not stuff and just i'm sure tony would be happy with ludicrous calls yeah, just... the first one i you know i haven't gone back and checked the tape but I was there, saw it live, and saw them replay it on the big. Like nothing happened, and it just went nah, fell on you. I, I was watching on TV, but I did not think either of them should have been fouls yeah. uh, in Poppy's defense. He definitely gets a rough. I thought that the one with his elbow was a foul from the press section. You know, I mean, yeah, but guys are doing that though, like all the time. I don't know. No, that's he, a good point. He is definitely a guy who, if he commits a violation, is going to get called for it. Yeah, there are guys yeah. who can get away with that stuff. Poppy is not one of them. But, like, speaking of guys who can't get away with anything um, foul-wise, uh, Poppy playing over Caden Shedrick, uh, which, strange to see him get zero minutes. Uh, I don't really have much speculation on why he's not playing. I do think there there's a group of people out there who are like Caden truthers because Caden's advanced stats are all really, really, really good. Mm-hmm. Uh, and to that, I would say like I like uh, Evan Mia's uh, Bayesian performance rating has him as like a top five player in the ACC this year. Like that, I think is a little bit nonsense because so much of that is on-off splits, which are coming from when Caden played a lot, which was like against Monmouth in NC okay. Central. So I, I don't really think he's that good, but I do and think, big men like, typically we watch like, him play. Big men always get that sort of advantage, you know, yeah. and especially guys who are just—he's only taking layups and he's only right. blocking shots defensively. Mm-hmm. So like that's always going to yeah. be valued very highly. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, he has a very high field goal percentage because all he's taking is open layups at the rim that are mostly set up by Reese or Kihei anyway. But, um, like, just generally, though, from watching Caden play, I think we all agree that he has a role to play on the best version of this game because he offers them a vertical threat around the rim, rim protection on defense, rebounding, the ability to, like, go toe-to-toe with big men who are a little more athletic. And, like, that offensive threat of just being able to throw a lob to Caden is really something that they don't get from any of their other big men. Right. Um, Ryan Dunn is a little different because Ryan Dunn has to be like running almost. And it's like in transition. Shedrick just standing around the basket is a threat to dunk anytime. Right. Uh, and like there, there's value to that. And I'm not really sure why he isn't playing. I do think from watching his recent performances, it's fair to see like he certainly hasn't made a statement that he should be playing more, but it is weird that he's out of the rotation entirely. 
And I would, I would be surprised if they didn't try to work him back in against Louisville. Uh, true fans will remember last year in the ACC tournament, he actually had a great game against Louisville in the first round where he dominated them in a game that they actually almost came back and won, which was crazy. Yes. Uh, but that was last year. We don't think about last year. But Shedrick had a really, really good half against Louisville. So maybe he can recapture the magic. I'd be very surprised to see him not get any run because they're going to want to be able to play him in the postseason. Sounds about right. I'm concerned. I, yeah. I think I think Tony's made his decision on Caden. Like I, I think I don't know. I it's he just he needs a chance. Like he needs to be given room. Like he needs to be given a, a long runway a little bit to like be able to have two fouls in eleven minutes and still be in the game like against UNC he played seven minutes in the first half played relatively well had a couple they might might have turned the ball over or something but um yeah he had one turnover but only one foul and like he was one for two from the line I thought that they should have run with him in the second half just to give him the chance like they were down so much already um and I think that like I think it's got to be in his head and and I don't want to like speculate about that but but it just it's hard because he he got sort of taken out of the lineup when small ball was working and then all of a sudden sort of like he just wasn't playing because he wasn't suiting the system that was working and then when they've sort of tried to throw him back into the mix when things stopped working he didn't play well enough for the short amount of time that he was given and I think it just sort of spiraled a little bit and it's really hard to see because as you said Ben like he has a part to play on UVA at its best I just I like, I want him like just as everybody does, I want him to perform and I want him to get an opportunity to do that. But I'm concerned that if they, I mean, maybe they beat Louisville by 20 and he gets, you know, 10 minutes in the second half, but like, otherwise, I don't know. Like I'm worried. I I do think like Dunn is someone who should be playing 25 minutes a game right now for this team. I I think, I think like we've reached that point where this offense is going to work or not work because of the guards. Like that's sort of where we're at. Vanderplas is, a player that can complement the guards well at times if he's hitting shots and he can make some good decisions and he can be a valuable piece in there. If he's banged up, that does limit that a little bit. And Gardner obviously can provide offensive production, but the team's going to live or die with its guards in the postseason. And I think that having Ryan Dunn in there doesn't really impact that. And we've already seen Gardner and BVP not be sort of that combination that is going to work for this team on both sides of the ball. And thus, putting Ryan on defense where he is so, so valuable for this team, especially against teams like a Clemson that have a Hunter Tyson that have bigs that they can sort of go at you. Um, and it was tough to watch BVP sort of get bullied by PJ Hall in the post at times in that game. And, and I do think some of that's his injury and he sort of deserves credit for toughing it out, but. Well, I, PJ I hope... Hall's really good. And PJ Hall's really <laughs> yeah. good as yeah. well. But yeah. just like if, if Caden is like practically viewed as like not able to be played for more than a sort of a seven minute spurt here or there by the staff, which maybe there's something else going on. I don't know. I don't have sources. Like I'm not trying to say that I've heard something cause I haven't, but you got to rely on Ryan Dunn. And, and he played so well against Clemson in the first half. He played 13 minutes and then only played five in the second. And it just seemed like he was sort of the piece that like you plug in and the team automatically plays better. Like they were down, three nothing or five nothing and then they put him in he gets that alley-oop layup 
and then they go up 17 to 7 and then he goes out and then the lead gets closed like he's sort of the piece for this team that I think you need to find a way to play more and more even if he isn't giving you that offensive production and when he is like he scored what was it 10 yeah 10 points against Clemson he does it on very low volume so he can be a low volume scorer but like the length that he provides defensively the rebounding the shot blocking just the overall mobility like the way that he played Hunter Tyson in this game and his instincts too his instincts are so good at one point I think it was Tyson was sort of coming off like a double screen and Armand Franklin was on him and Ryan Dunn was on someone else and Dunn saw Franklin get caught up and then switched out to the perimeter and contested well enough to Tyson to like stop him from shooting and on a number of other opportunities like that he was just on Tyson and made life difficult for him especially in that first half and I think like he is just sort of like the missing piece for this defense that can take the defense to the next level while the offense is going to be a little bit behind but dependent on Kihei Reese and Armand. All right, well, before we um, get into some talk about the ACC and the tournament, there's seating, uh, I'd like to start, you know, off a, a final question I'm going to answer first because I'm going to steal the easy answer, which is what do you want to see against Louisville that'll make you more optimistic about the Who's postseason chances? And I'm going to go, uh, it's an obvious answer, but I'll go more specific and say the three-point shooting from the three starting guards who against Clemson, I think we already noted were 23% against Clemson, which was somehow an improvement <laughs> from, from the previous stretch of games where we already rattled off, you know, that they're the three of them shooting from deep um, in, in those close wins and then a couple of losses. So if they can get back up closer to that 40% line, like they were shooting as a group to start things off. Then I'm thinking, okay, we've we've rebounded in form in offensively, and uh, you know have faith that the defense will hold up and that the other parts of the offense, like you said, um, will will hopefully hold up. So Ben, why don't you get? You know, I'm gonna let you go second. Something you want to see against Louisville? All right, uh, you did take the easy one with three point shooting. It has been so bad for the last month. Uh, in February, they were at 28.4%, uh, would have ranked 360th if that was their season-long uh, three-point percentage. Yeah. And they did not have a single game where they shot above 33% from three, right. which is pretty awful. Um, I think you hit on one of the big issues recently, and I think the other one is that they just haven't been putting together convincing performances. Outside of NC State, they haven't beaten a team convincingly in a long time. I mean, Duke, Louisville. Boston, like, or not Boston College, Notre Dame. Boston College, obviously, also not a convincing win, but in an opposite direction. Um, but, like, they just haven't put together a really complete game. Even against NC State, they sort of took their foot off the gas in the second half. Hmm. And if you're going to get a convincing win, it should be against Louisville. I mean, they really haven't blown a team out of the water since, like, Monmouth or Georgia Tech. Like, it's been a minute. I want to see them win by 25, 30, just put together a win, like, so many of the other like legit championship contenders can do where they just get yeah. out. Like you see Alabama just beat teams by 30, 40. Houston will beat teams by 30, 40. Virginia really hasn't done that in a long time. And I think if I'm going to buy into Virginia's upside going forward, I need to see them like just absolutely beat the crap out of an inferior team. <laughs> and they're not going to get a better chance to do it. I mean, this is it. Worst team in the conference at home. I want to see them okay. win by 25. All right. I like it. Zachary. Yeah, I mean, 
I obviously echo everything else that has been said and not to be a broken record, but if Ryan Dunn played 25 minutes and played well against Jalen Withers and Caden Cheddar played, if Caden played 10 minutes, I'd be really happy. If he played 10 minutes with like one or two fouls, 15 minutes, I'd be ecstatic. And I really don't mean to, to crap on the other guys. I think Poppy was like, yeah, he had four fouls in nine minutes, but he was also like not horrible otherwise in the game against Clemson. I still think though, like this team's upside and it's, it's, it's in that great story that I referenced from Ben last week. Like it's, it's about the front court. It's about getting the ceiling is about the front court and okay. The guards are better. Like, I think you, we can sort of, I don't want to say we can expect that because I'm not going to go three for 23 against Louisville, but like it's, it's in the front court and it's, and it's that front court being stout enough defensively. And it's about having the versatility that we thought that this team had in, at the beginning of the season, being able to rotate different lineups and, and different combinations in that front court. If you have Don and Chedrick playing at a, a relatively high volume and being able to be played and the staff, trusting them to play significant minutes, I feel much better at the team going into the tournaments. All right. Well, we will hope for all that. I think it was all, it's all relatively likely. I, I we'll see. Mm. Uh, let's play a little what if action with the ACC, shall we? We'll, we'll talk about where we think uh, things will shake up. But right now, of course, if you're following the standings, everybody's a game left. Pitt, Miami, and Virginia are all 14 and 5 in conference. Clemson and Duke are 13 and 6. And then behind them are, you know, the triangle teams and then a bunch of mediocrity. So, Pitt, Miami, and Virginia might sound uh, like the upper echelon. Um, the issue is when you get into tiebreakers because they play each other, Pitt and Miami, and they both beat Virginia. Um, so, what we're looking at in this slate of games, why don't we why don't we just discuss uh, everybody? We'll, we'll come up with a hypothetical based on what we think will happen. Boston College, Georgia Tech play. Who do we think wins that? couple teams oh gosh uh, boston college yeah you see but i mean georgia tech is the all right bc how about clemson notre dame that's at clemson clemson uh clemson notre dame already got their win for yeah uh-huh, uh-huh. miami pit miami ben you yeah right. it's at home yeah all right unc duke where is it unc it's at unc I agree. I think UNC will win that game. Yeah. Alrighty. Uh, the next one is Syracuse Wake Forest. Wake. Oh, Wake. Sure. Because the defense is horrendous. Hmm. And Wake has shooters. Like. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's at Syracuse. Is my only. I still think uh, I don't know. Yeah. Mm, I don't think they they started playing man. Who are they playing on Saturday? They they played yeah. man defense in the second half. Like that's how bad Syracuse is all playing. Right. That Jim Bayham's like I'm gonna play man defense now. All right, all right. Uh, yeah, Vir- that's a good point. I like Wake. Virginia, Louisville. We'll, we'll go with the Hoos. Louisville. No. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, the Hokies and Florida State in a matchup of seven twelve tournament or acc teams uh it's in blacksburg all right virginia Tech. all right yeah. calculating calculating that would mean miami would be the one seed uh 
Clemson, the three seed, Virginia, the two seed, Pitt, the four seed. So Virginia and Clemson on the uh, lower uh, side of the Greensboro bracket. Uh, Syracuse, Louisville um, would be the first game in their part of the bracket. And then NC State as the seven seed. So uh, would that make that would be uh, Pitt as the four seed? Exactly. So I think that, that's the best yeah. case scenario for UVA. If they get Clemson, like if you want to win the ACC championship, which like could be up for debate, like would you rather just lose in the semis and go home a day early? But if you want to win the ACC tournament, having Clemson in the same side of the bracket as you and then only having to play one of Miami or Pitt and you avoid, I believe you avoid UNC. No, in, in, in this no. situation, uh, based on what we just picked, UNC would be the sixth seed. And so they would play Clemson potentially if they get They'd past. Probably play UNC then. Um, yeah. Possibly. I mean, yeah, yeah. Here, like at the end of the day, I think they'd have to you... get past the Hoos would have to get past NC State. You know, I believe they'll get past. Oh, State. really? Yeah. They, they would play. They would have to play. Oh, this, I see. What you're this saying. is our scenario. They they would first play probably NC State. Oh, I don't Ooh. like that. Then okay. There's no slouch. Yeah. Yeah, that's tough because you want to get like. I'm gonna pull up the ACC standings. See Clemson. <laughs> we just want Clemson as the first game. I mean, I'd rather get like. <laughs> I just want Clemson. I'd rather get Wake or like Syracuse in that. I'd first rather game. play Clemson than Wake. Oh, Syracuse would be great. Syracuse would be great. I don't know if Syracuse can get up high enough. It's also oh, Judah Mintz is cooking though. They got Mintz. They got Jesse Edwards. Yeah, but they got that I... Jimmy Beheim zone slash man hybrid now. I don't know. Beheim is done. Do you guys think Beheim's gone after this season? I think he sticks around. For that one. I I think he sticks around just to like twist the knife. Because like, I don't think that he's. I just... think he's gonna take a Coach K victory tour. <laughs> Does he get anything like that? Because they're also gonna lose. Everyone so many hates games. him. Um... <laughs> Like, he doesn't even have ESPN on his side like K does. I mean, here's the thing for UVA. Bottom line, beat Louisville, you get to share the regular season title, and you're the two-seed in the ACC tournament. Like, just everything else aside, that is a successful regular season for UVA. Coming into the year, like, I think we sort of had this conversation last week, but, like, if you were offered a share of the regular season title with, say, Miami and – the two seed in the tournament. Like, I think you're happy with that relative to sort of our general preseason expectations and probably a four seed mm-hmm. if they don't get upset badly in Greensboro. So I think that that's like good. The nightmare scenario is that they lose to Louisville and then drop to like the four seed and have to play Miami in the semis or someone much better. Like, yeah, I don't know if, if somehow the tiebreaker worked out that Pitt would be fifth, which I think is still realistically like potentially possible. Um, going off all the results i put up a story earlier in the week there's like 10 possible seating situations essentially yeah. off of all these results yeah. and there's one so if, if uva wins they're the two seed if they lose there's one potentiality where they could still be the two seed and that's if clemson and duke and miami win uva would get a four-way tiebreaker with pitt clemson and duke and they would have the tiebreaker there. There's uh, one potential. There's one. I, this doesn't really matter. They could be the four seed though, and that's it. If Clemson loses, Duke wins, and Miami wins. And you, so, but they loses? get the double buy. And you, this buy. is all if UVA loses, because if they win, they're the two seed. So the only way they're if UVA avoiding loses to Louisville. If they're, the only way they avoid. No, I'm just saying, like, wouldn't, the only that, way... wouldn't that be how this season ends? 
they avoid state and Carolina who can flip-flop which little quadrant of the lower bracket there they are so they they would potentially be the second the the first or second game for the who's obviously clemson's factored into that as well but yeah. that's where the six and seven are are down there and that's what they're flip-flopping between based on uh the uh, state's done so based on unc's game um mm. the only way virginia avoids that then is by being the four seed so just saying carolina lose it okay mm -hmm. just say well it would just reverse the order potentially playing those yeah yeah um and obviously you might play clemson instead of the second one um or or someone makes a run you know the Hokies have done it before but uh anyway point being if we think virginia can handle louisville which they should um get used to um probably playing some north carolinian teams down in greensboro so then here's the question would you rather have to deal with Carolina or NC State in that quarterfinal game and then and then the other I think it's unlikely probably that Clemson is the three seed with UVA is the two seed so like who would you rather have to play in the quarterfinals there NC State I think NC so State, 100%. Right? yeah okay yeah and it's because of Baycott uh, yeah yeah uh, we've seen the iteration of North Carolina yeah. just owns Virginia yeah since Hubert did yeah it's it's ridiculous we owned them for so long <laughs> just and you know Roy Williams had to retire yeah it's entirely possible <laughs> that UNC's hot shooting doesn't carry over because they've been so bad at doing that all year yeah but in that scenario I feel like well Baycott's Baycott well you um, need Caden Cheddar to come back and yeah. like to yeah, that's what you need and I think that of the uh, things that we listed as the most what we'd be optimistic about if it happened against Louisville that's the least likely that being said, I mean, you know, the the duo of guards and and Morsel uh, as the third that the state has can clearly give Virginia some trouble, um, especially uh, Traquavion. Um, so I mean, it's gonna be yeah. You know, people people dog on the ACC all year, and like all these all these upper half teams in the conference are quite capable of not only beating Virginia but beating some other teams in March if they get the chance. So we'll yeah. see. Not Clemson, I know, like, I know, Ben. Not Clemson. <laughs> I trust not UVA's Clemson. guards against NC State's guards much more than I trust UVA's front court against UNC's front court. I think that's, I think that's probably where we're all landing with the NC State preference, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Indeed. Although that burns, yeah, burn, burns is a fun player. Uh, I, I think yeah. Virginia knows yeah, how to handle time that. Us. Right. Exactly. Yeah. It, I, I, exactly so yeah. all right well uh thanks friends and uh thanks for listening listeners we'll be back next week pro- i think probably as the streaking Milan podcast but if not you'll regardless you you will uh be locked into the same feed even if we do get this rebranding done um but uh also, regardless, the name of the blog is always going to be streakingthelawn.com. So stay tuned to that for more uh, pregame. And well, we think it will be because you, know, you never know. Yeah, well, who knows? Gonna, well, yeah, we you might. never know what email we're going to get after the podcast ends. We're <laughs> <laughs> now, though. Technically true. All right. Uh, but until then, other sports going on, as, as Zach mentioned, oh, that yeah. we didn't get to really dig into. Uh, but that's because it's March, and when it's March, I talk about basketball. So UVA lacrosse, man. I know. Yeah. We'll get on a podcast at some point I here. Know. 
uh yeah go out to clockner go out to the dish go out to uh i forget the name of the softball stadium but it's right there it's really cool too and they're very good too so anyway um uh yeah go who's Thank you.